0: This podcast is from the RAND Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about us and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries. Welcome to a RAND Distinguished Speaker Program. I am Iao Katagiri, Director of Community Relations, and it is my pleasure to introduce our program. The Hyperloop captured the public's attention last year when announced by SpaceX and Tesla innovator Elon Musk. Imagine a large steel tube through which passenger pods would be thrust at high subsonic speeds on a cushion of compressed air, powered by solar panels. The tubes could be elevated on pylons, and if they generally followed Interstate 5, could get us from Los Angeles to San Francisco in 35 minutes. Prospects for the Hyperloop will be discussed by Dr. Marco Villa, president of TIVAC Nano Satellite Systems, and a founding partner of MV2Space, a consulting firm that brings business development expertise to the aerospace industry. As the former director of mission operations at SpaceX, Dr. Villa was responsible for the Dragon spacecraft missions to and from the International Space Station. Since September 2013, Dr. Villa has been focused on what's needed to design, develop, and build the Hyperloop. Our moderator is Bill Welzer, Research Director of RAND's Engineering and Applied Sciences Department and a professor at the Pardee-Rand Graduate School. His research focuses on evaluating technology and market trends related to space-based sensors and capabilities, space debris mitigation and remediation, and vulnerabilities of space systems. While serving in the United States Air Force, Welser was responsible for program management, business development, systems engineering, and procurement and production of advanced technologies. And now, here is Bill Welser.
1: Thank you. Marco, thanks for being here tonight. My um, pleasure, Bill. So, the Hyperloop. The Hyperloop is a big idea. <laughs> it's a big idea. Um, and for everyone who maybe not, is not f- quite familiar with, the, with Elon Musk's white paper, um, I'll quickly summarize. Um, it's getting in a pod with 29 of your closest friends um, and running down a pneumatic tube at 700 miles an hour um, on a cushion of air. <laughs> uh, and it would allow you to get from Los Angeles to San Francisco in about 30 minutes. Um, so it's, it's quite a, a game-changer, if you will, um, from a technology standpoint. Um, but it's not a new idea. Um, in actually, when Marco and I started talking about um, his involvement with uh, the Hyperloop development, um, we started both doing some research. And in 1972, uh, uh, the director of the physics department at Rand, Um, R.M. Salter wrote a paper, um, and it was on the very high-speed transit system. And uh, this system was a little bit um, maybe of a bigger idea than the Hyperloop. (laughs) Uh, It it talked about going from L.A. to New York City in 30 minutes. Um, And... And it involved uh, digging tunnels that were miles uh, below the surface, um, a vacuum tube that couldn't um, withstand any amounts of, uh, of, of uh, vacuum loss. And um, at the time, it was just not you know, tenable. We had other, other complex problems that we were tackling. Um, but it's been around, this idea of speeding up transportation, yes. of changing the transportation paradigm has been around for a long time. Um, so the Hyperloop. I would love if you could um, chat a bit about not just about how you're involved with the Hyperloop, but I mean, how did you get there? Like, how did, I mean, how, how does all that mix together? And if you haven't already read Marco's bio um, while he's talking, just take a quick glance because it is all over
2: the place. (laughs) apparently, yeah. Um, Okay. Big question. So how do I, how do I get involved is this, it's a, for a lot of people, the Hyperloop, or when the white paper came out, um, they started focusing a lot on the technology aspect. It's like, uh, oh my God, how are we going to do this? It's like, is it even possible? And uh, as a good engineer, I got fascinated by the technical aspect as well for the first five minutes. And then I figured out, you know, the world is full with uh, incredibly smart people, way smarter than I am, that actually are going to figure it out. And I believe, I truly believe, all the pieces to do this, it, it's out there. As you said, from 1972 and maybe even earlier, You mm-hmm. know, people have been thinking at this concept. So it's obvious. It, it can be done. Now, my involvement in this has shifted from this engineering aspect into the more, uh, let's call it the societal aspect or the managerial aspect. Uh, it's great that you can do something, but how do you make it happen? that's actually has been uh, the the fascinating part. That actually has been, to be honest with you, a uh, a shift in my career. Has been really a, a, a fundamental uh, change in in the person I am and in the way that I see the, the the work to be done. So that's why I still claim myself as an advisor of this effort. Um, and, and and I advise three or four different efforts that independently are going on and try to make something happens. One of them seems to be gathering a little bit of momentum, which is great. And um, the reason why it ties up with the rest of my life or everything else that I do, from the very small nanosatellites to to other things, is because uh, uh, it's one of those aspects that can have a very profound impact on a lot of people, on our society. And uh, the, the, the ability and the possibility to actually work on it, and to understand how to t- help, in my in my with my like, humble contribution to make it happen, is what's driving me to actually be part of this to to the maximum extent that I can at this time.
1: So uh, I'd like to dig in a little bit more on this social aspect, unless you want to bring in some whiteboards and like start writing out the <laughs> equation. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's do. Th- uh, we'll do that afterwards. <laughs> if anybody's interested, it will be up here the afterwards. after party. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, but so. I mean one of the things that uh, that has struck me and, and you've spoken about this before, but maybe everyone in the audience hasn't heard about this um, you know if I can go from Los Angeles to San Francisco in thirty minutes, um, I don't have to live in Los Angeles to work in los Angeles. no i mean what what are, what are the things that as you've dealt with these teams um, that are looking at designing i mean what are some of those examples uh, of of
2: life shifting uh, effects that it might have It's incredible, and we just uh, and we just scratching the surface right now and, uh, and it's something that it's easy to understand how and I used this example in the past but the moment that actually you can actually do that or, or, or that you have the possibility to do that how is that going to affect your life well I've been commuting from Orange County to uh, LA for five years uh, back and forth every single day and I assure you it's not a pleasant <laughs> thing to do <laughs> um, so how would have that affect my life right uh, well It would have allowed me to spend more time with my family right from the get-go, which uh, would have been incredible. Would allow me to decide where to live without uh, being driven by specific uh, uh, um, constraints that instead were part of my decision. Um, At the time, I could have even chosen where my favorite barber was going to be. That problem (laughs) is not there anymore for me. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> where my friends live, where everything else is. And uh, so I spoke in the past, and I think it's a concept that fits nicely today as well, is the concept of um, where does a city stops and a new city begins? Where, where is the border between your, your, where you live and where you work, where you go play and where you, where you are serious? And it, it, it all goes away. Um, what are the consequences of that uh, from, from my point of view is that uh, you 're going to give a new dimension of freedom with respect of of being able to make these type of choices or and, and, and exploit it to the extent that you can so every single person would have a different story of how this helped or how this affected them and which goes into the new part of this this hyperloop aspect of the the fast transportation aspect which is um, it's great to build something as exciting and as you know, inspiring as, uh, as something like what is presented in the white paper. But what interests me right now and what we're working on and is what else can be done to make that experience even better. Um, so that, that's really where I believe it's going to be going is, is that aspect. Can, can you say a little bit more about
1: how... So there, there isn't a company that's pursuing this, um, and uh, uh, Elon Musk has come out and said that, you know, he kind of threw that white paper out um, to inspire um, engineers and, um, and, and people who are just enthusiasts uh, to, to participate, but how is that, I mean, that sounds really good, but how does that happen in practice yeah. to pull those people together?
2: Uh, n- number one, I don't want to overlook what you just said, so it's, it's a, by itself is a mind-blowing thing, Think about it. I mean, it's a person that uh, every single thing that he has been touching recently has been also not not too recently has been transformed into an incredible business. And this person comes out and says, you know, I worked on this, but I'm not going to keep it for myself. I'm not going to make another business out of this. I'm going to put it out there for anybody that is interested to take a stab at it. Just by itself, I, mean, I cannot recall in my... I'm very young, not like you, but <laughs> I cannot recall uh, another example of this that where actually uh, somebody has done this, this step. What that, ap- what that created is, uh, is a lot of people got inspired by this gesture. And, a lot of, and that's why there is so much hype mm-hmm. behind it, is people saw that and were like, <coughs> if somebody like, that, like him is doing something like this, putting it out there, there is something here for us. And so they have been, they have been doing it. So how do you translate that into a concrete business or into a concrete uh, execution of this problem? Nobody has solved the problem yet. That's actually a lot of my time is spent trying to do that. You can't really apply what you know about management. You can't really apply what you know about finance. You can't really apply what you know about building a team just yet. Because the problem has got so many variables and so many levels of complexity that it's hard to confine it into uh, what you would do in a normal business plan. You know, All of you have been written business plans, so you know where to start, you know where you go, you have a goal. But when you cannot just yet confine it in a mold that you can actually completely understand, uh, it's very tough uh, to do so. So what's happened is this. There are many different organizations, uh, not just in the U.S., around the world, that are doubling at that. Some of them are more focused on the technical, pure technical aspect. Um, I receive hundreds of, e- of emails with optimization of a specific exchange of, of, of heat in a specific part, And I'm like, it's incredibly fascinating. But that's like one little brick of the old picture, right? Another organization are more uh, uh, looking into the, where is the right region to use this? Where is the, the optimal area? Is it really the Los Angeles to San Francisco? Could we really do that here? Or is it the Middle East? Is it South America? Is it Russia? Is it where else? Two completely different spectrum of the picture. Uh, how do you bring them all together is what we are trying to do, what I'm trying to do right now, is to actually give a seat to every single one of these individuals or of these organizations and that span from literally individuals like you can be going home and saying, I want to work on this, versus big companies, worldwide known companies, that say, I have a technology that I've been selling for many years, and I'm working on a new generation of this technology. That could be the perfect showcase for me, or that could be the perfect example to push my boundaries. How do you put all of these people together and talk to each other, so that each contribution can be worthwhile? Um, That's what we are tackling. Uh, We think we are (coughs) cracking the problem slowly, and we are learning by mistakes, Mm And we're learning through iterations, but we're there is some hope there in 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 trying to 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 bring it together in different phases, so that you first tackle the big picture, and then you go into one roof if you want with the more traditional concept later on, when actually you can focus your attention on specific aspects and, and tackle it that way.
1: So I I think th- um, just to quickly restate, I mean th- the the idea that um, a lot of the people who are are participating in the design are professionals, but it's their hobby. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and they 're not being you know, paid in a, in a normal paycheck way to help design this um, they're, I mean you have a full time job or you mo- 're a president and COO of a, of a nanosat company, a nanosatellite company um, and and yet you do this on, on the side. Um, I think that 's I- incredibly inspiring, um, but also I mean it gets to some real um, financial issues right I mean the design costs for these very complex systems like the Hyperloop, these big ideas yep. um, Are are the thing they dwarf the the cost of actually buying the system and constructing it and putting it up. Um, So at any steps that you can take uh, going forward um, in that design process for little amounts of money are huge steps.
2: Right. Every single little progress you can do, it's uh, it's going to become a part of those iterations. So I, I learned this in my past experience how when you face a big challenge. And uh, you want to do it in a way that has not been done before. Because I'm not going to say it's easy to recreate what somebody else has done. It's never easy. But it's kind of like uh, uh, you're not just tackling the technical, as I say, but you're tackling all the other aspects. So every contribution that we have right now actually goes toward a little, a mini iteration to get there. So.
1: So when uh, right before the event started, I was chatting with some people in the library, and they asked, uh, is, is, Rand, is Rand doing things in this space? And um, my answer was, right now we don't have a project on this. Um, we don't have a project on the Hyperloop. I'm sorry, it. we're not solving it here. There's not a, you know, an, an underground uh, demonstration or anything like that. Um, but um, what we are doing is we rec- we're trying to recognize... Um, where uh, these big ideas, these big technical problems are. And we're kind of assuming that the technolo- there's a lot of smart technologists out there and they're going to solve the technology aspects of it. But we're trying to stay out in front with the policy. Um, I think it's very interesting in reading Elon's white paper. Um, you know, there are things like safety. That you want, and it's and it's it's mind blowing to think that you know as he addresses safety, he says, well, you know, if you're going from L.A. to San Francisco and it takes thirty minutes, and you have a medical emergency in between, you don't stop the tube, no. you just keep going and have the medical people waiting for you on the other end. Um, that's a totally different paradigm, right? I mean, that's not. I mean, on aer- airplanes, we turn the airplane around and go and land it. Are right? people going to accept it? Well, so insurance is, is going to accept it right uh, this this is the question and i think it opens up uh, one of the things that i'm s- uh, that really excites me about the hyperloop from a you know from a very practical rand perspective um, is this idea that it opens up all these new policy questions. I mean, it really takes our existing policies um, when it comes to transpor- transporting people. I mean, you know, you and 29 of your closest friends, I mean, what happens if something goes wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit different when you're traveling at 700 miles an sure. hour. Um, and uh, it really
2: kind of puts a new twist on that. So here's the plan. Nothing is going to go wrong. Okay, very good. <laughs>
1: Get this man some more wine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, so how to to what extent has the team that's thinking uh, about the technical technological aspects? Are you thinking about these other aspects? I mean, are you thinking it about the It's
2: not the same team. Uh, it's not the same team, and sometimes it's not the same organization right now. So I I have uh, uh, I'm privileged that I can actually sit across and seeing what's going on a little bit. I, I'm a mini Randy myself actually. Now that I think about that, <laughs> uh, uh, I sit across and I actually see the difference um, the different dots or the different efforts. So I can tell you that. Uh, is I don't think n- no group is tackling both problems. And, uh, and maybe it's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's good because the moment that you start doing that, you're going to start getting influenced and you lose that, that perspective uh, or, or that, that you need when you're trying to resolve one problem at a time. So I, I personally like it right now, right now, to keep it like that, these two tracks that, that are going to go off. Um, there is going to be a moment, I, I think I referred to before in, uh, to somebody I was talking, like this feasibility moment in which uh, the results of these two aspects has to come together though, and they have to say, okay, we think we are done with proving that techno- technologically technically, we can do that. At the same time, we think we figured out the big questions to answer from a policy point of view. Is there any showstopper here or do we need to redirect the effort? Is there something we need to tackle before we go forward? Um, and I think it's just an honest thing to do. Uh, the, the magnitude of, uh, of, of finance involved in this, and it's not just the direct finance in doing it, it's the, the, the secondary aspect to that, mm-hmm. that could influence something like this. It's so big um, that I think we owe it to everybody to, to have this moment of honesty in which you say, before we start investing, real dollars. Yes. Is it fair? Is it right? Can we do it? And, and not just going blindly through a, a, a road that may seem hype, may seem cool, may seem the right thing, but it may not lead to the right place. Uh, I d- it wouldn't be fair.
1: So um, how much time do all of us have to have that discussion? I mean, how close are we to the Hyperloop?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one lives in... <laughs> 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 um, it's... Um, I am. I am... I'm trained, that's what I do every day, is I I make plans and I execute plans. Um but in order to make a plan, you need to know the beast you have to tame. Mm-hmm. And so I would be un- not truthful telling you right now that actually we're gonna do it in six months, one year, two years, three years. Uh the that is the time frame. The and and here is why. It is why I'm setting myself. I always talked about the six months, one year. Because it's the time frame that nowadays people can accept in a new project like this. Um, in in the in the land of the tweet and the Instagram, that's already old the Hyperloop. It was two years ago when the white paper came out. So we 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 cannot miss the moment to let another three, four, five years go by with no concrete progress, or by that time we moved on to something else. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm using those timelines, not because I know it can be done in that time, but because if it cannot be done in that time, we better move on and do something else. We lost, the, we lost it.
1: So, um, I, I th- and we'll, we'll probably open it up for questions here in a few minutes, but um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you a, a bit of a personal question, if I could. Um, <laughs> and um, if, if it's not stoking too much sadness after Italy's loss this morning in the World Cup, <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, sorry. It <laughs> um, gets emotional. I, I know. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: so, uh, but uh, I I want to. So you are from a s- you know another exciting part of part of this the way that you're approaching um, this hyperloop development. Um, I, I think is you know embodied by you. You are from a small town of 200 people in northern Italy. And could you talk a little bit about that and about how you're, you're trying to reach out to you know, other people in small towns that have tremendous skills like, your, like, like yours
2: and kind of pulling them into these complex designs? It's a good question. I appreciate you asking it. And it's, um, it's true. I, I am from this little town up in the mountains in the, the, the northern part of Italy. Uh, no stores, no shops, nothing. And, uh, and I love my town. Um, and what, what that make me think... Is this? It made me think that how many other people are in towns like this, anywhere really, or in similar places, that actually may have one b- little brick to make this up. And, and, I'm, and I'm serious and I really mean it in terms that uh, we, we cannot assume all the time that we can select the right people to do the job just by whoever sends their resume to us. Some people don't have the luxury to send a resume but may have the right intuition to do something like that or the right knowledge or the right inspiration. It doesn't have to be technical. It can be in any other things. So it is one of the pet peeves of mine in doing this aspect, uh, that the crowd aspect, and which is we are in anything we're going to be doing, maybe not right now, maybe the second level, but because you need to set up people so that they can win. You can't set them up for them to lose is going to be a very crowd-oriented effort. Um, a very, um, the term open source has been thrown out before. It's, uh, there is that social component, which I, I truly believe in. Uh, um, and, and I have other businesses in which that component is really a big part. But <laughs> I- in this case, it, it, it's fundamental. And but the second part is also selfish. It's uh, we need to get it done. We need to find the right knowledge. whatever it is, we're going to get it. And so we're 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 thinking of different systems, different uh, solutions to promote it to the wider audience, and not create any barrier of entrance to 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 do that. Um, I used in in the past the terms of it's like a, a um, crowdsourcing on steroids or like a, a brainstorming on steroids, uh, in which you literally listen to to all the possible ideas right there, and you sort through it like you would do with your four or five bodies when you sit in these nice conference rooms and you <laughs> kind of brainstorm like that. And, and we want to create that virtualization, uh, which I think is, has been done before in smaller projects, is done routinely in uh, software applications and things like that, and is yielding extremely good results. And I believe this could be a good catalyst to give it a shot on a bigger scale. And here is the trick. If that can be done, and we can prove that something like, an approach like that works, on a project like this, what else? What else can <laughs> be tackled the same way? What else, what else can be opened up to, 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 to these people anywhere in the world that have a that have that little bit of knowledge?
1: I have some ideas.
2: Yeah, I bet you <laughs> do. And, and so that, that aspect, as I said, uh, only three years ago I would have never said these things. But the, the, the it did, I did have these discoveries uh, that may be obvious for a lot of people, but to me are becoming fundamental to tackle.
1: Well, I, I think that um, I'd like, if we could, to open it up uh, to questions from the audience, because I'm sure people have lots of 17, uh, 18, uh, 19. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We have lots of questions. So um,
5: uh, look for the so microphones. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we do welcome your questions. And so myself and my colleague Nancy uh, have a microphone, and we really appreciate we'll come around to you and bring the microphones to you so you can ask your questions. And we'll try to get to everyone. So we're going to start here. Thank you. I uh,
4: have a question that's more of a policy question, but it also relates to the technology and the art of the possible. So that this doesn't feel like a solution in search of a problem, can you talk a little bit about how this will change the world and why this would be a priority when there are so many other things
2: wrong in the world? Wow, these are the questions you usually answer, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so with a donation to Rand, uh, we're going to look into this, and uh, we will. <laughs> uh, now, the, the it's a it's an extremely good question, and uh, and uh, I need to I need to answer to you in two different ways. One is the personal way, my my opinion versus the bigger picture here. Uh, my opinion is this that. Uh, it is true, there are an enormous amount of problems to be solved, right? And what is the best use of everybody's money, or the collective wealth, to actually resolve those? The the unfortunate thing, or the fortunate thing, is that if you ask 100 person, they're going to give you 100 answers. Maybe 101, actually. People flip flop <laughs> opinions all the time. Um, so uh, it would be, from a personal level, I wouldn't know how to say this is more or less important than something else. So why not throw this one as well into the into the bigger picture? So that's what allows me, as a personal level, to say, don't drop everything and go solve cancer. Stay focused on this because I would do a lousy job on that. <laughs> so that's what I can do. On the bigger picture, also on the not personal aspect. Um, what are the w- what what problem would it solve? Um, I don't know. Uh, I- here is the way I see it. I mean, the, the, the way that it we may plan out is this. We live, we can't deny, we live in a world in when everything is fast right now. And and not just that, is I used before the term that this could really be the, the tweet of transportation, in which nowadays, because of the society we live in, uh, we need to be able to be light on our feet and keep on changing and address things and tackle problems on my cell phone all the time, Right. Um, What is really missing right now in the society is actually the ability to have still the eye-to-eye conversation that uh, has been closing so many deals in the past, has been solving so many (coughs) problems in the past. And so this virtual approach that we are taking, that is dictated by the pace in which we have to live, is removing that aspect. So if having a system that allows you to close that gap is possible, maybe that's going to help to actually bring society back together and not, I always say that everybody's a lion behind an email, right? I don't like lions that actually they turn out to be sheep when you talk to them. So if we can remove that filter and say, tell you what, I'm going to be in your office wherever you are in half an hour. Let's talk about it. Maybe that's going to bring some good to it. The other aspect that helps me to, to, to work on this is there are a lot of places anywhere in the world that cannot be reached easily. And that uh, because of that, they are disconnected from the rest of of society. And it's not their fault. Just happen to be in a place that is not yet. So if something like this can be created with that in mind as well, and allows that economy to close, and because of speed or because of of other resources, then it's a good thing. And and I cannot answer you the exact things that are going to be good. I can just infer that there are going to be good things coming out of that. I hope that addresses...
5: I think my question is sort of related. Um, I fo- I've been focusing a lot on the CO2 problem, because it's a
1: really serious one. And I was wondering how you might sort of answer moving the data instead of the people. In other words, being online may actually become a better investment than moving things and trying to maintain this large system. I mean, right now we've got 36,000 pounds of CO2 per person, we have to get to 600. So. How you see
2: that? So, uh, your question is h- if I see that as as uh, compounding that problem, but. Should we you know?
1: be doing that, or is it a better effort to be putting
5: it into allowing it, people instantaneously communicate?
2: It, it, it's, it's, it, the answer is, is diverse. It really is. I think it's not an either or, to be honest with you. And, and I have to revert back to my, my personal opinion. I don't think it's an either or. Uh, I, I don't know you, but I personally cannot close a deal without having an eye to eye conversation. I, I personally can. with
5: can't. I can't.
2: And I think there's going to be room for the, the the type of approach that that, that you have. I, I, absolutely, and I, 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 that's why I say it's not one substituting the other or one being better than the other. I think there is a complementarity to them. Now, uh, going back to uh, the reason why you asked that question, uh, which is the the the, the CO two or any other agent of of of, of pollution, or I, I think we should be we collectively should be extremely conscious about that. And, and, and we should, there should be no project nowadays going on in which that aspect should not be considered and being part of that. Should that prevent projects to happen? To my opinion, the answer is no. Should we be mindful and consider it as one of the constraints and one of the things to do? Absolutely, 100%. So,
5: so we have a question over here on your right.
4: So uh, as you think about the system and you plans for it, if you think it in terms of, since we're here in California, I'll use the California planned rail system. And how do you see these systems? Compatible? Incompatible? Or do you have a vision?
2: Um, Tricky question. (laughs) Um, I think... That. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a time and place for everything. And, uh, uh, and uh, I leave it at that. I think there is a time and place for everything. And I want to bring back, actually, the attention to one aspect that I said before, that um, right now, if you just read the white paper, it's a hub-to-hub connection. Um, uh, what I'm interested in is actually creating a, a building to far away building connection, or a a, a a neighborhood to neighborhood connection. So the reason why I say there is time and place for everything is that some of those solutions that you're referring to or, or there is something that could be used to actually complement it and, and understand that when you have shorter spans of distance, that may be the optimal thing to do. But then when you get in greater span of distance, there may be better technologies that then can take care of that. So. Can we all live together? (laughs) 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 That's the hope. But uh, 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 I don't know exactly if it's going to be one against the other. Um, um, Yeah, it's a a tough thing because of a lot of aspects around.
0: We have a question here on your left. Uh,
4: What you were describing sounds like a fundamental redefinition of relationship between time and space. And I can understand that has enormous social and political and economic consequences. But just as you can't close a deal without handshaking with someone and looking them in the eye, I can't deal with the subject without picturing what it looks
2: like. What is a hyperlook? <laughs> and what does it look like? Are we- We don't have a picture, uh, but um, the the best way to describe it, I mean the best way, there are many ways, but uh, what I used in the past is this. It's it's really the pneumatic tube that that Bill was referring to. So it's an enclosed space, um, if you want, and it's enclosed for a specific reason because uh, it allows you to remove part of the air from it, not a complete vacuum, but just remove a lot of it. By removing it, you have advantages from a physical point of view in terms of friction or so on, so you, you take away some of those problems. And uh, then inside it, uh, there and also from environmental uh, reasons and so on, then inside it there is a capsule, a pod, uh, 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 however you want to you, you wanna envision it, that <coughs> has got either uh, cargo or people or a mix of them. This pod has got uh, the ability to create its own air cushion. So um, like some of the uh, electromagnetic trains they create a cushion based on on, on magnetic uh, forces. This one is that we use uh, a cushion of hair. That you do that with compressors and and, and doing that, so it allows you it to glide within this. So you you take ad- additional advantage of the fact that uh, um, you don't have moving really parts uh, that that do friction one against the other, um, and that's really it. So you you kind of like uh, have this situation you are in your own isolated bubble, and uh, you take advantage of some of the law of physics to to, to try to reach speeds that you wouldn't normally do with uh, traditional of transportation. The concept is not to have to tunnel, or except in in extreme cases, but uh, uh, it's something that would sit across uh, o- over the ground, uh, on maybe on pylons or or situations like that. Um, two reasons why. One is the moment that you start tunneling or going underground, like actually was proposed in 97- yep. 1972 by, by the rent, um, the cost increase exponentially. So it's a, it's a tremendous effort to do, and, and we go back into that. Is that the optimal way or not? The other reason is that uh, um, staying above ground allows you to actually n- use some of the traffic ways that are already being used right now. Being that the four or five, or being that the rail uh, currently existing, or anything like that, and the other option, the other reason, advantage of that is allows you to have access to the sun or other form of of, uh, of energy. That uh, going back to your question, actually allows you to then be energy neutral or energy positive. Uh, f- things that you could not do if you were underground.
5: So we have a question up here in the front. Next.
3: It sounds as though that your L.A.-San Francisco link is sort of the prototype of this, and I'm wondering if that is the best choice of route. You have not really talked about the politics involved, assuming that the technology is there. You've got a tremendous selling job to sell it to the people. You've got to create, it seems to me, a tremendous need for a whole bunch of people in LA, and a whole bunch of people in San Francisco to trade places quickly. And (laughs) if you can sell that, then that puts pressure on the politicians to maybe do something to change the status quo. But why would a farmer in the Owens Valley be in in favor of this? It sort of sounds to me, in my limited vision, that you're going to slice the state in half vertically. And how do you get from the west side to the east side of this huge tube running up the center of the state? And I, I just don't understand how <laughs> all that would it, happen.
2: It, it, it's a good question. I mean, in, in, uh, I think, uh, n- number one, it wouldn't be a huge tube. <laughs> it's not too huge. But, but the, the, the real thing is, like, I, I believe, um, I, and I don't want to speak for others, but I believe that the example that of the LA to San Francisco was that that's, that's what it was. It was just an example. It's not necessarily gonna be the plan for implementation of a prototype or the, the actually effectively what's gonna, what's gonna happen. It's a good example though, because we live in California, we understand what it means to have something like this, including the problematic you're mentioning. So my personal bet is that uh, it will not be in LA San Francisco, the, the implementation of this. It will be in other regions that don't have the geopolitics that you're referring to or the secondary problems that you're referring to. And that's, I think, it's very important because if the step to implementation is this high and you have to be careful anywhere that you move because you're going to step on somebody's land or in somebody's playground, uh, you will never get there. Y- you need the freedom at the beginning, experimenting with something like this, to, do, uh, to play around. And fail.
3: What's the minimum distance
2: that makes this viable? It, it, it's a, there are a couple of studies out there. Uh, the, the, there is a minimum distance, but the, uh, let, me ask you, uh, let me answer you from the optimal distance. Uh, there is uh, some theory out there that uh, considering the other forms of transportation, up to the 2,000 miles, 3,000 miles, there is a net advantage of using something like this versus going and get the plane versus doing something else. Uh, when it gets to a higher distance, uh, higher than 1,500 or 2,000, it's a, it's, a, it's a toss right now because of the economics in place. Uh, but that's only based on the economics. Um, about the personal, the personal preferences or personal um, experience in transportation, that's the aspect that nobody's considering right now. What I mean with this is this. I mean, really, what, what we ideal is I finish this discussion here right now. In this neighborhood, there is something that I can just walk in and I just push a button and say, you know, New York, Manhattan, okay? And that's the only thing I need to do. And the next thing I know, I am there. Is it going to be the Hyperloop taking me there? Or is it going to be a combination of transportation systems that are interlinked together that allow me to do that in the optimal way? I don't know. What's, what's the right answer? But I do know that I'm dredging the moment in which I need to get in the car, my car that I parked somewhere, go and park it somewhere else, and go into an airport two hours before and get on a plane and get on a taxi. So if, if that experience can be quantified or that experience can be changed a little bit, I think there is something there. Uh, uh, and, and so to go back to your original question, maybe California is not the prime place to experiment that because of what you said. Maybe there are other places to, to give it a shot first, and then we can talk about introducing it back here.
0: We have a question here on the left.
1: Very much. I'm ready to buy my first ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, could you address the costs? Do you know the ha, have some sizing versus costs been done? Some architecting of the system and so on.
2: The the, the when the white paper came out, actually, uh, Mr. Musk took a first stab uh, uh, doing all the economics in place. And obviously, when you do it, you put a lot of assumptions. Um, this is one of those cases, and so there was some cost out, that it could be as cheap as, I believe it was $20? That's 40 $40, i yeah. am oh, sorry, inflation. $40 from here to San Francisco. The, this is the price point that was given, given, given assumptions, uh, which is comparable or competitive with many other things. Uh, it would be less expensive than an airfare, but is that the right number? I, I really don't know. Uh, one of the approaches that we have been talking about to solve this problem is something that actually uh, we do in other fields, which is uh, don't do all your financials and see what price you come up with. Understand what actually is going to be bearable as one of the variables from, a, from a, uh, a consumer's point of view, together with all the other aspects we were talking about tonight, but obviously the cost is a fundamental one, and then march your way back and make something that actually can be conducive to do that. Um, that price most likely is going to change dramatically from the beginning to the end or from the first iteration to the last iteration. Um, I personally don't have one number, but if it's anything more than in the hundreds of dollars uh, for, for a long, like, say, cost to cost, uh, that's not fi- that's not viable anymore because there are other transportations. And everything is driven right now what what people can afford. So... Maybe there are other people out there that are already working on the um, in the elite hyperloop, right? And they can charge thousands of dollars or, or many more on that because it's going to be the coolest place that you want to be the first one in. And and gosh, they are they are the good guys, <laughs> and, and that's great. That's not what I personally am am working on. I, I achieving something like that that is just for an elite. Personally, would I would not be involved. So if it's anything more than hundred, $100 or anything around that, uh, it, it would be, be a non-deal. Yeah.
5: So we – thank you. We have another question up here in front.
3: I think this sounds wonderful because last week it took me from check-in at 8 o'clock in the morning at San Francisco Airport, 12 hours oh. to arrive at LAX, Los Angeles Airport, at 8 oh, o'clock see. in the night. That's not even getting home. That's not even getting to the airport. So this sounds wonderful, but it's not my question. My question (laughs) is this, the human body. Yes. How are you going to handle the human body? Have you done scientific research of how the body will take it? Will people be able to get up and walk around? Will they be able to use a lavatory? All these questions. Will there be, can you give them water to drink? All these different things. Yeah, it, it, okay. it's, a,
2: it's a very good question. And um, I'm going to piggyback on what we was saying before uh, in terms of, for example, an, a medical emergency, right? Um, the ride is, is fast enough that actually you would not have to worry about turning back and, and taking care of yourself. You have to go forward and take care of it once you're there. So, the the way that uh, at least for now uh, things can change, but at least for now I I want to to put it in context. It's something like um, everybody can stay relaxed and enjoy the ride for uh, the half an hour one hour time frame, and that allows you to cover a lot of ground with the type of speed that we're talking about. So I I personally don't envision people walking around and 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 strolling it and and so on. I envision more of a very you know. Uh, an airplane type of, of, of a situation in which you can't always really go around, especially people like me and so on. If I start walking around, I start bumping my head, so I just sit down and relax for a few hours, and people can handle that. And so that's the kind of approach that we are taking right now. Um, it decreases the complexity tremendously uh, because you don't have to, to, to worry about what it means to walk around. So that's what I believe at the beginning will be limited to, uh, from a medical point of view, um, we do actually have a couple of, uh, well, more than a couple of physicians that are looking at all those aspects. The good news is that these are not new aspects. Acceleration, deceleration, centrifugal forces, all of these things are being handled daily and have been resolved many times. I, I work in a field, the, the, the aerospace, in which you know, human space flight is fairly understood, and, and they go through similar um situations and believe me to be an astronaut you don't have to be superman and and it's just a, a myth out there and everybody can handle that type of things for the limited time that we're talking about and from an environmental point of view of the heat cold uh, uh, humidity self-enclosed uh, uh, ac type <laughs> of systems again are, are very common in in different situations including airplanes which uh, they are got their own system so it. I'm sure there are problems that we have not thought about yet, uh, but the good news is that we are thinking about it. So there is there is it's one of those aspects that is being dealt from the beginning. So.
0: Our next question is in the middle. Here.
5: Uh, an earlier here. A gentleman asked earlier about the priorities in our society for something like this, and your response was that if you asked 100 people, you'd get 101 answers. Uh, but if you would look at the... Um, Uh, thrust of what you're trying to do and the magnitude of it, couldn't you get uh, a better result for what you want to do if you did it internally here in the city of Los Angeles? People are struggling with the 405, with obsolete systems. For somebody to go from the west side to downtown or from you, from Orange County to Los Angeles, it seems like it's so much easier to implement less political uh, necessity. To accomplish something on a much smaller scale with a much greater need.
2: Um, good, good, good aspect. I mean, it's a, it's a good thought. Um, the this specific application would not work for that because it would not be. Op- that you need a certain amount, a minimum distance if you want a minimum range to actually so that it's worthwhile. Okay. Um, however, we are working with. Uh, other solutions that, have, uh, um, that, that, that are based on electromagnetic or are based on uh, some new technology, actually. It's pretty cool. Uh, that would allow us to close the loop in those type of distances you're referring to. Um, so we go back to the hyperloop is a solution to a, range, uh, a certain range of, 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 of distance be between cities or points. Uh, but there must be other solutions for the regional or local that you're referring to um, so would it be an optimal to just focus on the L.A. area? Uh, sure. I mean, if somebody in the LA, L.A. area says, I recognize there is a big problem and I am willing to help working it in this specific area, would be great. Uh, but if somebody else comes to us and say, you know, I am from that other region and I would like for you to tackle that region, and here is the problems that we need to solve, and here is my will to help you to do that. Um, There is nothing that would prevent us to do that. So where is it gonna end up? Uh, It's really gonna be dictated by who is willing to take the challenge and who is willing to support the development of this project. So I'm, I'm, I'm very attached to LA, and I'm very attached to the region, and God knows how much I would like, from a personal level, also to resolve these problems. Is there the will here to resolve it? I can't answer that. Is definitely not not out of the possibilities.
5: So uh, we're starting to uh, run out of time. We have time, I think, for maybe two more questions. Uh, we've got one back here. Uh, uh, if there were a casino across the street that was offering to bet, offering bets on either side of whether there'd be ten cities connected by hyperloop within twenty years, one, which way would you bet, and two, would you bet a substantial amount? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I am a betting man. Um, <laughs> so did you bet on Italy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I can't bet anymore because I lost everything with the Italy game. No. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would bet that the answer is yes, there would be. And uh, I would bet a good amount. And uh, But that's me. Uh, but I, I obviously, as this morning shown, I do lose bets now and then.
0: <laughs> okay, we have another question here in the middle.
2: Uh,
4: basically, I'm, I've read Elon Musk's initial paper. The estimate I believe he made at the time was like $6 billion to put in a hyperloop. Uh, and yet, they, that's a few years ago. Now we see current discussions of the bullet train, which is the main, I guess, competitor, where it's $68 billion and rising, and the best I can tell is that the politicians are totally ignoring any discussion of Hyperloop, which is, if the Elon Musk number still holds, is less than one-tenth of the cost of the bullet train. And they, as far as the bullet train goes, they are currently evicting people. There's eminent domain issues that are going forward now. Our mom-and-pop places that are closing hamburger stands because they're going forward. There are discussions right now of whether or not to take $250 million of cap-and-trade money and deciding whether the best terminus is somewhere between Bakersfield and the middle of the state relative to San Francisco and Los Angeles. So this is a competition where the politicians that are going forward are ignoring Hyperloop and they're making these decisions that affect all of us in the state. How do we what is a prototype? How do we bring this thing so it focuses their attention in a finite amount of time so that we have these politicians saying the crazy bullet train? I, how do we bring it to the forefront? We have these people asking about safety issues and this and that. We have no concrete plans that I can see for a prototype. What Elon Musk initially said something about maybe doing it himself, $6 billion is not enormous, and maybe we'll, that's for the whole system from here to San Francisco. So we're talking a relatively small amount of money. So, what, what's going on? So Where do we get the money? What's needed? Right. Uh, How I, much of a prototype? We don't have to have L.A. to San Francisco. It's so not a prototype. We need... So I think,
1: I think some of the, the cost differential is because of the crowdsourced design, and it's taking away a lot of the, the, front, the front portion of the design. Yeah. But, I mean, <coughs> go, go ahead.
2: No, it, 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 yeah, it, it is true. So and the, the, I want to I just frame a second. Uh, it's not a competition. It really isn't uh, because it would only be a competition if the only business case of this type of technology would be between L.A. and San Francisco because that's that's the example that you're bringing on with that that's not it that that's just an example that was in a white paper which was a very good example to use because it obviously tickled a lot of people in thinking about it and i bet um or i'm i'm, I'm I, I tend to lean toward it was done maybe post-postly because you know you know you're going to catch attention of people because of the issues you were talking about on the other effort um so it's not a direct competition it really isn't it, it's it's that's not the business case, really it's not. Um, why the difference in cost and why people are not paying attention? Well, people are paying attention as a matter of fact, not as publicly uh, as, uh, as instead the news of the high speed uh, uh, train that you're referring to. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you this example uh, to say how we're gonna tackle that or how can be tackled and get attention from politicians or for everybody else. Um, up until fairly recently, going to space was only driven by governments and by select number of companies that were living together with the government. Um, after five, six years of underground work and then not-so-underground work, there is now a complete new economy and a complete new number of players that go back and forth from space with very little association with it. And people are taking notice, and politicians are taking notice and financing and venture capitalists, and, and ev- they are taking notice, and they are now investing in that. How did we get there? was just a very simple way. We executed a plan with no concerns about what the other people were doing. We plain, plainly beat them on their game by executing with lower cost and showing that you can do things in a different way. Is this gonna be the same? Most likely, to be honest with you. If stays in this environment, the only way to go forward and not to have this direct confrontation of who's better or or who's gonna win the political uh, support is by just, don't even worry about that. Keep the head down, execute, find good people, good company that believe in that and try to get there. If it's in a different region of the world, Maybe there is a government or there are people that instead don't have, they're not bounded to what you were referring to, and they're going to say, that's my next thing. I want to be the first one to have that. Here is the check for $6 billion. Um, can happen. Maybe there are talks about that. And and so who cares about what the politicians are going to say about it? It's the microcosm you're referring to is that. It's a microcosm. and And... and I like to think a little wider than that.
1: So, Marco, I I want to say thank you very much for. Thank you,
0: thank you. This This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. To learn how you can attend programs at RAND, visit us online at www.rand.org/events.